Thanks for listening to Connection Church's podcast. Today's message is part of our series, Next. We learn in this series that each one of us has a next step, whether that's baptism, joining a small group, or even being consistent in reading God's Word. Whatever your next step is, our prayer is that it will be revealed to you in today's message. Well, good morning. We are glad you are here to worship with us and exalt the name of Jesus. Man, it's awesome to see the testimonies and what happens when we begin to take our next steps. And this series we're in right now, Next, is all about taking our next steps of faith and seeing uh, how God moves in our lives to move in the lives of other people. And we're going to continue that in just a minute. I got to say that that last song we sung today, um, awesome. Man, I love that song. Like no other name, it pumps me up more than anything. So we may be here till two o'clock today. I don't know, but I love it because what other name is there to be exalted other than the name of Jesus, right? And there's no other name by which we can be saved and no other name under heaven uh, that deserves to be praised. Uh, and so it's such an awesome thing to be able to come in here and worship with you guys and just proclaim um, the power and the majesty and the holiness and the honor of Jesus. And uh, my prayer is today that he's already moving in your heart and that throughout the message, as we're reading his word and as we're listening to his voice, and I pray that it won't just be my voice you hear, but that the voice of the Holy Spirit will be speaking to your hearts. That we walk out of this place today, that we are different, that we are changed, that we have become more like Christ. Because there's a dying and lost world that needs the reality of Jesus. And here's the awesome thing. God's called us to be that reality. It's an awesome responsibility, but we have an awesome God who, if we are in Christ, lives in us who guides us and leads us and directs us to do great things for his name. And so we're going to do that. If you have your Bible, you can turn to Joshua chapter 4. We're going to be there today, spending the majority, vast majority of our time in Joshua chapter 4. If you don't have your Bible, um, it's up on the screen uh, for you. The verses will be. We're going to begin reading in uh, verse 19 in just a minute. Um, But first of all, I want to pray for us, and then we're going to jump in here. And just believe that God's going to do some incredible things in our hearts today. Lord, we thank you so much for being good to us. God, today we recognize that there is only one name that's worthy of praise, the name of Jesus. We realize there is only one way to the Father, and that is Jesus. Because no one else has paid the price for our sin. No one else has given us a new life that's perfect and spotless, not because of what we've done, but because of what you've done. And so today, God, as we look at taking our next steps and we look at the great things you want to do in us so that you can do great things through us for your name, God, I pray that you would just become more and more clear to us, that we would see you more clearly, we would hear your voice more clearly, God, and we would give you the honor and the praise that you are worthy of. Lord, it's the reasonable thing that we can do in light of the sacrifice you've made for us. God, do an amazing work here today. We pray that your spirit would truly rain down on us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, this week, I had a little Facebook, Twitter, Facebook poll wanted to do and, and had a little fun with it. It was actually a lot of fun. A lot of you guys participated in it. And I asked the question, when you were little, what did you want to be when you grew up, Right. Some of y'all participated in that. You saw that. It was a lot of fun. I thought today that I would recap a few of those answers. Some of them I left out, but, uh, but a lot of them were recurring. I wanted to recap some of those and pull out maybe some of the ones that were a little bit um, different, a little odd maybe. Like we had one lady who said she wanted to be Tiger Lily from Peter Pan. 
I can honestly say that never crossed my mind. Um, we had another guy who wanted to be G.I. Joe. And, you know, okay. Um, we had someone who was evidently the product of the Top Gun era who wanted to be a fighter pilot, right? And I imagine he probably had a friend he called Iceman or something like that. And I don't know, but, but a fighter pilot, that's pretty cool. Um, we had somebody who wanted to be Shaggy from Scooby-Doo. I really like that one, but it does beg us to ask the question, why would a character from the late 60s be hungry all the time? Just a question. Just a question. Not an accusation, just a question. We had a lady who wanted to be Dolly Parton. Thought that was interesting. And we had a staff member who wanted to be a choo-choo train. Yeah, we fired him. He was kind of a freak. The overwhelming majority, like the one I got the most out of everything from, from women was they wanted to be a Disney princess, right? Want to be a Disney princess. We had uh, the guys, the overwhelming majority was a uh, pro athlete of some sort, either football, basketball, baseball. Um, I understood that one. Uh, we had several people who put veterinarian and we had one girl who put until I realized I had to put puppies asleep. And so I was like, eh, that's kind of a deal breaker. Cats, not so much, but puppies would be tough to do. So sorry, cat lovers. But, uh, but it was cool. It was, it was really cool to see all these different um, things that people wanted to be. We had somebody who said they wanted to be a ninja. And then somebody else put that they wanted to be something else. And they said, no, I think I want to be a ninja. So they changed midstream. But it was really cool. But here's the crazy thing about it. The one thing I did not see from one person throughout the whole thing was nobody said, I really hope that when I grow up, I drift off into obscurity, never make a difference, and my life just amounts to nothing. Right? I didn't get that one time. Right? Because when we were little, man, we had these big dreams, we had these big thoughts, we had these big things that we wanted to do. And it was kind of like, man, anything's possible. Anything could happen. And some of you are still in that place. You're still like, man, my whole life's ahead of you. Some of you are like me and you begin to wonder. I mean, mid-30s, getting close to 40, you're kind of wondering, like, what's my life really going to equal out to be? What's it going to do? What's the impact that, that it's actually going to be able to make? And here's the problem. Some of us, maybe many of us, have settled in this place of just thinking that our life is what it is and it's, that's it. That it just is. And that what we are now, what we've done in the past, that, that's going to define us for the rest of our lives. But the good news today is that God wants a better future for you. And listen, I know th- th- there are people here who are going to be like, well, you know, it's not about us. And you're right. And you're going to hear that in just a minute. But the reality of it is, when we look at Scripture and we look all throughout Scripture, we see God taking people who do what we talked about last week. They die to themselves. God does something great in them so that then he can do something great through them. And the good news of this today, guys, is listen, God desires to do something great in you. I don't care where you've been, who you've done it with. I don't care. Listen, I don't care what you did last night. I don't care what you do tomorrow. The reality of it is God desires to do something great in you so that he can do something great through you. He desires to use your life to be an, an, an example, a manifestation, I guess, of his power in the earth. What an awesome responsibility, right? But what a great privilege and honor that we have to be used by the God of the universe to make him known to the world. Is that not awesome? I want you to listen to these verses in just a second. In Joshua 4, 
verses 19 through 24. Um, but I want to set it up for you real quick. Last week we looked in Joshua chapter 1 at how the Israelites were getting ready to cross over into the land of Canaan. They're about to go into this land that had been promised to them for hundreds of years. And Joshua is told three different times, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. I'm going to go before you. I'm with you. I've already been there. I've got this under control. You just step, you just go, and you be strong and you be courageous. And as we looked at that, we realized they were about to cross over a raging river, the Jordan River, which was during harvest time, when the river was out of its banks, it's flooding. And it's, it's not just like beautiful Eagle Creek that they're crossing, okay? This is a raging river, and, and they're about to cross. They don't have a bridge. What God tells them is this. Put that box on your shoulders called the Ark of the Covenant that represents my presence. Put it on the shoulders of the priest and I want you to walk across the river. When your feet touch the river, it's going to part and you can walk across. Anybody like that plan? Not really. But they begin to do this and they get to this place where they've crossed over in chapter 3. They cross the Jordan River. We're going to look at that next week. But this week I want to draw your attention to something that happens. They go across the river. When they get on the other side of the river, the Lord speaks to Joshua and he says, Joshua, I want you to do something. I want you to send 12 men that represent the 12 tribes of Israel back into the river before the Ark of the Covenant. I want you to get them to take 12 stones. I want you to bring them back out on this side of the river. And I want you to set them up as memorial stones so that for future generations to come, that that your children and their children will look at those stones and remember the power of God. Listen to this. In verse 19 of Joshua chapter 4, it says, On the 10th day of the first month, The people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho. Joshua set up at Gilgal the 12 stones they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, in the future when your descendants ask their fathers, what do these stones mean? Tell them Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he... He had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until he had crossed over. He did this so that all the people, listen, he did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know the hand of the Lord is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord, your God. I want to read verse 24 again. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful. And so that you might always fear the Lord, your God. I want you to understand that that is our purpose. That God would use us to do such incredible things. That people look at our lives and go, only God. I mean, how many of you want to be a part of something that God does? That is so powerful and so significant. That people look at it and go, only the God of the universe could have done that. And that is my heart's desire. I I, I literally feel sick at my stomach when I think about the fact that my life could possibly drift away into insignificance because we never did anything mighty for the Lord when he's given us such great and awesome promises. And so today I want to encourage you that God desires to do something great in us so that he can do something great through us. That God desires to use our lives for this one purpose. That the world might know him. Right? How many of you would like to be used like that? 
that at the end of your days, God has used your life in such a way that the world has seen his power and the world has seen his glory. Whether it's you're being called to take a little next step, what seems little, or a big next step. It's significant. God desires to use that in order to glorify his name. The other day, Susan came to me. She said, I think it was actually a Sunday. And she came up. She said, this morning, Jackson, who's my six-year-old, walked in the bedroom. And she said that Jackson looked at her and said, Mama, I had a dream about Daddy last night. And she was like, well, really, baby? What did you dream? And he said, well, he was doing what he does on Sundays. And Susan said, was he preaching? He goes, no, he was napping. (laughs) And I thought about that. And I was like... I really don't want that to be the thing my children remember me for. You know what I mean? Like, I hope that there's something greater about my life than taking a nap that at the end of my days when they're memorializing me, you know, and they're talking about their dad, they don't just go, well, he took a good nap. That guy loved a nap. I want my life to be something that my children look at and that they they see the power of God and the reality of God in my life to the fact that it points them to the fact that he really is, that he exists because he took my dad's life and he used it for something for his kingdom. That listen, when when God spoke to my heart, when God spoke to the, the heart of Susan and we began to know that God had given us a next step for us to take as a family that they look at that and they go those are memorial stones in our lives because our parents showed us the reality of the power of God he became a reality because of the lives that we lived and the steps of faith that we took and this is the thing I want for us as a church I want it to be where people look and they say there's no way that that bunch of idiots could have possibly done this for the Lord right the Bible says that God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise and my heart is that people would look at us and go it's got to be God it can only be God that's doing such great and mighty things Because there's only one name under heaven that deserves our praise. That deserves to be exalted and deserves to be recognized. We've all been called to take a next step. Everybody in here has one today. There's something that God's calling us to continue to do as we pursue him. Maybe it's just to rest in his presence. Maybe it's just to become faithful in the little things. Whatever it is, God's calling us to step and he's calling us to step so that he can be glorified so that the world might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful and that they might revere his name for eternity. If our lives and our church are gonna be memorial stones that point to the power of God, listen, for the lost in this community, for the lost in the world, for our children, to encourage other believers, I wanna give you, I'm gonna give you some things in the next 32 minutes and 43 seconds that we are going to do to cooperate with God's plan so that he can do great and mighty and awesome things in and through our lives. Joshua chapter four, verse one, listen to this. It says, when the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan. But he says, when the whole nation 
had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, the first thing that we're going to do, that we have to do, if we want our lives in this church to be a memorial stone to the power of the Lord, we have to go from me to we and from y'all to us. We have to go from me to we and from y'all to us. Listen to this. He didn't say a handful cross. He said the whole nation cross. It means they moved as one body going into the promise of the Lord. They began to move and go in the direction that God had called them to move and to go in. And listen, there was a reason for that. There was more work to be done. It wasn't just about them going and settling in the promised land. There was greater work to be done. I'm spitting a lot today. I don't know why. I apologize if you get hit. My bad. But the reality was there was greater work to be done. It wasn't just supposed to stop in Joshua chapter 4. It was supposed to continue. And here's the crazy thing for the Israelites. They go and and they carry the Ark of the Covenant into the river. The river parts. They walk across on dry ground. They get to the other side. And you know they were pumped. I mean, hundreds of years of promises have now been fulfilled. We are here. We've made it. God just did a miracle. He piled the water up high. We crossed on dry ground. He made a way when there wasn't a way. They were pumped. I imagine they were chest bumping. I imagine they were high-fiving. I mean, they were, they were pumped. And then this is what happened. They turned around and Jericho was in front of them. Right? There was greater work to be done. And it was going to take everybody doing their part in order for them to walk in the promises that God had given them. In order that the world might know the power of God and revere his name. They had to go as one body led by one spirit to do great works through the power of the heavenly father. We're no different. God's called us. That's why it's so important to belong, to be a part of, to be heart and soul with a local church. The local church is the hope of the world that God desires to use to transform the face of the earth. And God desires to use us. It's not about me. It's about we. It's not about about them or y'all. Man, we got people who have been coming to this church for three years that still say y'all. Well, y'all are doing some good stuff over there. I'm like, you're there every Sunday. It's about we, it's about us united under the headship of Christ. As God does great things among us and then does great things through us for the glory of his name. Number two, let's read verse one and on down to verse five. It says, when the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan from right where the priest stood and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe and said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each one of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of of the Israelites. Number two, that we aren't called and we're not going to play it safe. We're not going to play it safe. Listen, as children of Christ, as children of God, 
bought and paid for by the sacrifice of Jesus, we are not called to play it safe. And the reality of this is that we have to be more concerned about his kingdom than we are our comfort. We have to be more concerned. Listen, chapter four is awesome. They've crossed the river. They put up memorial stones. They're like, we're great parents because now our children and their children and their children are going to know the power of the, of the Lord. They're going to see the power of God. They're like, this is awesome. We're good folks. We follow the Lord. We took a step of faith. They did all this. Chapter four is awesome. Then you get to chapter five, verse one. And really verse two, listen, verse one. Now, when all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings along the coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan before the Israelites until we had crossed over, their hearts melted and they no longer had the courage to face the Israelites. Still doing good, man. Chapter four, chapter five, verse one. Awesome stuff, man. The enemies are falling before them. They haven't even gotten there yet. And then you get to verse two. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, Make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites again. Showstopper. <laughs> Every man in here just winced. Right? And you're like, well, certainly they had anesthesia. Nope. Certainly they had sharp knives. Nope. They used flint knives. It's like an arrowhead. To circumcise the people. But here's the reality. Why did they do the circumcision? To set them apart from the other people. Listen, it wasn't about their comfort. It was about the kingdom. And it was about a people being set apart that glorified the name of the Lord. And you and I are not called to be comfort. In fact, if we're being comfortable, in fact, if we're going to follow Jesus, we're going to have to be uncomfortable. I can tell you there are a lot of steps of faith we've taken in the last four, almost four years, four years, November 17th, in the history of this church that have been very uncomfortable. We've done things that it wasn't like I went to bed at night going, oh, this will be no big deal. But God has not called us in our personal life or in the corporate life of the church to just be comfortable. He's called us to be about his kingdom. But here's the thing that I know. If we're honest, truly honest with ourselves, we've gone to God more looking for our comfort than we have looking to be useful for his kingdom. Every one of us, when we go to the Lord, are we really looking to say, God, I want to be useful. Do something in me, God, even if it's uncomfortable. Do something through me, God, even if it's uncomfortable, that the world might know who you are, that the world might know your power, and that the world might revere you forever. We're not going to be a church that plays it safe. Listen, my mentality is that I would rather be a church, I would rather live a life that tries and fails than never tries. I can deal with the failure as long as I know I did everything that the Lord called me to do. I can deal with taking the risk and taking the chance and it not working out. What I cannot deal with is putting my head on a pillow at night and thinking I have left something on the table that God desired to do through me. 
Listen, I never want to be the reason or the stumbling block. Somebody looks at my life, looks at my walk of faith. I never want to be the stumbling block that hinders them from coming to know the Lord. And I don't want this church to be that either. We're going to continue to take great steps of faith. Here's the reality. God's going to call us to do things that are not comfortable. But here's the greater reality. There's an empty cross and an empty tomb that screams to us that it's worth it. That it is worth it. That there are greater things to come as we pursue Jesus, as we are in a relationship with him that God desires to do great things in us and do great things through us to scream to the world his power and the glory of his name. Number three, verses six through nine. He says, to serve as a sign. So they're gonna put these memorial stones up to serve as a sign among you in the future. When your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. Number three, we will operate from the belief that God wants to do something great for his name more than we want to do something great for his name. As bad as we want it, as bad as we want to see it, God's desire is greater than our desire. God's desire to do something great for his name is greater than our desire to do that. This is his plan. It's not our plan. From front to back, the Bible is about God being real, recognized for who he is. It's about reconciling people back to him. It's about people coming to the realization and the revelation of who God is. And God in these verses does something absolutely amazing. He says, tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant. God's desire to do something great. He looks down one day. The people are actually doing what he asked them to do. They put the ark on their shoulders. They go and they begin to step into the river. When the priest's feet hit the river, the waters part. And God literally cuts off the water like we turn off a spigot. That's pretty awesome. That a raging river, because God is doing something great for his name, is cut off. And the Bible says that the water literally stacked up in a heap. It piled up in a heap. Water doesn't pile, right? You don't stack water. When a waitress brings you your glass, your water at a restaurant, she doesn't bring it on a plate. She puts it in a glass. Why? Water doesn't stack. But God does something unimaginable, something far beyond our ability to even fathom it because the creator of the universe, even though he created, is not bound by it. He's outside the laws of physics. And he says, I will do whatever it takes to make my name known to the world. And we need to realize that God desires to do that in and through us that the world might know. Listen, there's a lot of comfort that comes when you realize that God desires this more than you did. That it is about his plan and his power and not our own. I think that's one reason I love to sing the song, No Other Name, because it's not about me. It's not about my ability. It's not about my power. It is about God and his power and his ability and his desire to do great things for his name. We get to be a part of it. We get to see it. We get to be in awe of what God 
does. Don't you know that these Israelites, as they were crossing that river and they look over to their right and there is water piled up and and, and they're going across the Jordan River, that they were in awe. And that's what happens when we begin to take steps of faith and move according to God's word, which leads to verse eight and number four. It says, so the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of the Israelites, as the Lord had told Joshua. And they carried them over with them to their camp where they put them down. Number four, we'll act in radical obedience. We will act in radical obedience. When God speaks, we're going to step. When God speaks to our individual hearts, we're going to step. When God speaks to the leadership of the church, we're going to step. We're going to act in radical obedience. Do we, it's, it's hard sometimes for us to fathom how crazy this story actually is. Right? That God speaks to Joshua and says, Joshua, we're going to cross the river. You guys just walk into the river and it's going to be all right. And then Joshua, having heard the Lord, says, all right, folks, we're going to step into the river. The river's going to part and we're going to walk across. And we read that and we go, okay, hum ho. But the reality of it is, and they had to be freaking out. They had to be scared. They had to be wondering, is this going to work? But they took a step of faith in radical obedience. And as we come to know our heavenly father and we come to know his love for us, we begin to see his word as a mandate, not as an option. And if we're going to live in obedience to God, we've got to come to a place where we realize that his word is not an option that he gives us A, B, C, or D, but according to his word, it is a mandate. And we step when he says step. When God leads, we step. If he says go into the river, we go into the river, recognizing that God has the power and the ability to do something great through our step of faith. If you have children, you know this, that bath time can literally put you on the threshold of hell. <laughs> right? Get in the bath. I'm drawing. I don't care what you're doing. I said get in the bath. Get in the bath. Well, I don't want to watch the end of this shit. Get in the bath. So you have the exodus moment and exorcist moment and you're thinking that, that your head's going to spin around and, and all this stuff. Because you're just like, do what I say. But I can tell you this, it's never gotten to this point where I said, get in the bath, son. And he looked at me and said, dad, I don't think I'm going to do that. And honestly, I don't think you have the right to make me do that. And I don't care what you say. I I have three children. They're all still with us. So that has not happened (laughs) at this point. That wouldn't fly with me. How do we think it'll work with God? Why do we live our lives that way? That basically, God says, step. God says, go. God says, move. And maybe not with our words, but with our actions. We say, you know what, God? I don't think I'm going to do that right now. 
I don't think you really have the right to tell me to do that. That wouldn't work with me. Why do we think that it would work with God? Listen to this verse in this section of scripture. Luke chapter 6. I just want to read one verse to you. Luke 6, 46, it says, Jesus speaking to the people, he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Why, why do you call me Lord? You exalt me to this position of authority in your life, and then you don't do what I tell you to. And then he goes on and describes the foolishness of that type of life and the greatness of the life that responds to the commands and obedience that he calls us to but why why would you call me lord and then do not do what i say and i wonder today how many of us including myself would jesus be saying those same words to why do you give me lip service and proclaim me to be your god but then when i ask you to do something you basically give me the middle finger and tell me i don't have to do that How many of us would Jesus be asking those same words? Listen, when God speaks, step. And when God tells us as a church to step, we are going to step. Man, listen, as his spirit leads and we surrender our lives to him, we are going to step. And this is literally a declaration in faith that when those times come, we're going to step and do the things that God has called us to do to step where God tells us to step for this one reason, that the world may know, that the world may know who he is. Verses 19 through 23, Joshua chapter four. We read them. I just want to hit them real quick again and I'll give you these last two. We'll get out of here. On the 10th day of the first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gilgal on the eastern border of Jericho and Joshua set up at Gilgal the 12 stones they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, in the future, when your descendants ask their fathers, what do these stones mean? Tell them Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground for the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan just what he did or had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. He did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful. And so that you might always fear the Lord, your God. Number five, we won't worship the memorial stones. We will not worship the memorial stones. Listen, how bad would it have been if when they crossed over, they get on the other side of the Jordan and, and the Lord speaks to Joshua. When Joshua speaks to the people, they go get the 12 stones and then they put them on the other side and they set them up and there's 12 stones that came out of the Jordan River and they all just set Indian style and, and they just looked at the stones and they were like, look at these stones. These came out of the river. Look at what God did. This is awesome. This is so great. And then a hundred years later, everybody's still gathered around their stones and literally they're worshiping the stones. But you know what happens in church a lot of times? God does something incredible in the beginning and then we gather around those things and we begin to worship them instead of God. I think the most damaging words that a church can utter over and over and over again as it becomes an act of worship is y'all remember when? Y'all remember when? And then that slowly turns into this. 
We don't do things that way. We've never done it that way. And that begins to be our battle cry. We're not, we're not going to do anything different to reach different people. We're not going to do anything more. We're going to sit here and worship the memorial stones because God did something great years ago. And we just like that. It's comfortable. It's easy. But it's not where God's called us to live. Think about all the things that they would have missed. They would have missed Jericho. And the power of God and the walls falling down and God doing something so incredible and so amazing. Listen, they went to Jericho with the worst battle plan in the history of the world. We're going to take trumpets. We're going to march around the walls. When I tell you to blow the trumpet, shout, the walls will fall down. They'll start killing each other and we'll win. Worst battle plan ever. But they saw the power of God. Listen, they would have missed the sun literally standing still so that they could complete a great victory. They're in a victory. It's starting to get late. Joshua prays to God. He literally yells out to God, God, let the sun stand still that we can complete this victory. And these people won't get away, but we can complete this victory. The Bible says that the sun literally stands, stood still. And here's the reality. If they had stopped and just worshiped the memorial stones, they never would have seen the miracle. We're not called to stop and worship the memorial stones in Joshua 23, verse 14 at the end of Joshua's life. This is what it says. This is Joshua speaking to the Israelites. Now I'm about to go the way of all the earth. You know with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. Joshua gets to the end of his life and he realizes they left nothing on the table. He realizes they weren't perfect and they made mistakes. But the reality of it is God had fulfilled promises from hundreds of years ago as they walked and took next steps. They saw the power of God and they were able to look back and say, wow, God did something that only he could do. And the same thing can be true for us, but we can't just live off of remember when. Listen, memorial stones should be catalysts for us to do what God's calling us to do in the future. They shouldn't be stumbling blocks that cause us to settle and become stagnant where we are. And when we look at this, we realize that they kept moving, they kept going, they kept taking steps of faith, they didn't shrink back in fear. Listen, I. I love to think about what God does. And in the next point, we'll talk about that. But the reality of it is we can't just live there. Those things have to push us forward to do the next thing that God is leading us to do for the glory of his name. I don't know about you, but one thing that I do not like is I cannot stand anything that is spoiled or moldy. Right? Can I get amen? Yeah. Amen. Like I remember when I was seven. My mom came home with groceries. Grocery time was always like Christmas time for me. I'd always go help unload the groceries so I could eat the groceries. And she comes in and I'm unloading one and there's a jug of chocolate milk. I'm like, oh yeah, this is going down. And so I take the top off. I begin to chug the chocolate milk. I mean, I'm just drinking it. I'm about a quarter of the way down in, in the jug. And I realize this don't taste exactly right. It was spoiled. And I mean, spoiled. I'm not talking about like a couple of days out of date. I'm talking about like lumpy, spoiled. Yeah. 
I got y'all awake now. That's good. Fast forward 30 years to a couple of weeks ago. I go to my mother-in-law's refrigerator, which is a little suspect sometimes. I open it up to get read some milk. I look at the date. I'm like, I don't know about this. I take it, the top off. Oh my gosh. I just about lost my junk right there. I'm just telling you, it was nasty. It was, it was bad. And I hate spoiled things. I can't stand it when you open the loaf of bread, you're getting your sandwich made and you look and there's something green and hairy growing on the side of the bread, right? Just nasty. Where y'all eating lunch today? But reality is just nasty. And I hate things that are spoiled or that are rotten or, or that are moldy. I hate those things. And listen, I don't want to live off of moldy old bread. I don't want to live off of spoiled milk. But some of us today are trying to live off of old experiences with God when God says that his mercies are new every day and that we can experience who he is every second of every day. I'm not interested in what God has done in the past. I want to know what God's doing right now. What's he showing you right now as you're pursuing him, as you're in a relationship with him, as the God of of the universe and the King of Kings is speaking to your heart. Don't settle for a stale relationship with God when you can be in a word that is living and active and you can speak with an eternal God who loves you and gave his life for you. Don't settle for what is stale and old when you can have what is fresh and what refreshes you. Don't settle. And we're not going to settle. We're going to continue to move forward. We're going to be a church that takes steps of faith, not just worshiping the things of the past, but worshiping the Lord of Lords so that the world might know His power and His grace. The last one from that same section of Scripture. We won't lose sight of the memorial stones. So we're not going to worship them. We're also not going to lose sight from, of them. Because here's the reality. Those memorial stones... They should be a catalyst that moves us forward. They should be something that we look at and we recognize the power of God. And here's the thing I would tell every one of you in here. You may not even be a believer. You may not believe in Jesus. You may think it's foolishness. That's okay. The Bible says that God uses foolish things to confound the wise. I'm fine with that. Listen, you may not believe anything that I've said today, but the reality of it is if you look around at your life, you can see the hand of God and things he has done in your life to get you to this point. Let's be honest. If you're over the age of 20, you should probably be dead right now right? But God has spared us for a reason. You can see the hand of God in your life. You're created for a purpose. You've been brought to this time for a purpose. And the purpose is to glorify him. And we're going to look and we're going to see those great things that we've done. Listen, if you're new to the church, you, you don't remember some of these things. But if you've been here, especially from the beginning, like some of you have, you have seen God do some incredible things. Some of you, if you've been here for the last few months or the last year, you've seen God do some incredible things as he's changed people's hearts and he's changed people's lives. If we go all the way back and we look at just our beginnings, it is a miracle of God that we're still here. When I look at those things, I realize that God has called us for a purpose, that God is with us, that God's going before us, that God still desires to use us, and that there are greater things that we are called to do. And when I look at those things, it doesn't make me want to worship them. It makes me want to turn and go 
forward and take the next step, no matter how big it is, no matter how daunting it is, no matter how much it freaks me out to stand up here next Sunday and go, check this out. This is what we're going to do next. No matter, listen, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about God and him being made known to the world. And we're going to continue to take those steps of faith. And we're going to look at the powerful things that God has already done so that we can continue to move forward and do the things he's called us to do. Those things in the past are awesome. My prayer is that they will become catalysts that move us forward, not hold us back. Listen, the first thing that happens when I believe when a church begins to die and they begin to dry up as we begin to settle for what God has done instead of asking God, what do you want to do? We're going to be a church that asks, what do you want to do? God, that the world may know what is it, God, you're calling us to. As daunting, as scary as it is, What do you want us to do next? There are things I know that the Lord has put in the leadership's heart, the church's leadership, that they're not possible with us. And while that is scary, it is also exhilarating because I know that we'll be in places. As long as we are here in this community, trying to be a beacon of light that draws people to Christ, We're going to be in places that if God doesn't show up, we're in trouble. Why it's scary, it's also exhilarating because we get to see the power of God. And it becomes a reality to those around us. That's what I want to see. That's what I want every one of us to experience is the reality of God working in and through us that he may be known. I want to leave you with this, that the greatest memorial stones ever erected were the cross that Jesus hung on and the tomb that's now empty. There's no greater memorial stones for us to look at. There's no greater example than Jesus to look at, to see how we take our next steps. Listen, Jesus didn't think about himself. He laid his life down. He didn't see it as y'all and me. He saw it as we. He didn't just say, y'all are there. Y'all are screwed. I don't know how to help you. I'm just going to stand back here and watch you. You drift off into eternity with no purpose, just bound for hell because of your sin. He said, listen, I'll become one of y'all and I'll take on your sin and I'll take the death you deserve and I'll give you my righteousness. The greatest trade that has ever been made. God took our junk and gave us his perfection. The greatest trade in the history of the world. Jesus didn't play it safe even when he's in the garden and he's sweating drops of blood and he's, 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 he knows that, that, that I'm about to die a criminal's death and I've done nothing wrong. He still went to the cross and he looked at his heavenly father and he said, listen, if there's plan B, I'm all ears, but if not, your will be done. I'm not going to play it safe. I'll lay my life down. He knew he was there to accomplish great things for his father. He knew that he was there to bring glory to the father john chapter 17 he even says this god he says god glorify me that i can glorify you he realized that he was created and everything since the 
dawn of creation was pointing him to this moment in time. And I would tell you this, that if you are in Christ, God has put you here for this time to make an impact, to be his vessel that shines the glory of the God of the universe to a world that is dying. He's called us to be that. That's what he's called you and I to be. He acted in radical obedience. Listen, he didn't look at grace past accomplishments, but he moved forward with purpose. Can you imagine if Jesus just hung on to the water coming, becoming wine for like the rest of his life? Well, I don't know what about, about that, but y'all remember when I turned that water into wine? That was awesome. Or what about creation? You know, everything was created through me. Nothing was made that wasn't made through me. Let's talk about that for a little while. But he knew he was called to a greater purpose when they connected us to God and it would glorify the Father. And he knew that all the past works of the Father were pointing him to a cross. It wasn't comfortable, but it was necessary. And I would ask you today, are you willing to take your next step in radical obedience to do what Jesus is calling you to do? As uncomfortable as it might be, are you willing to take that step so that the world might know the power of his hand that the world would revere his name for eternity some of you you're like Lindsay the video we watched at the very beginning and your next step is so that someone else can take their next step it's all connected question is are you willing to take it let's pray lord thank you for your love your grace your power in our lives god thank you for your word that encourages us that we can take those next steps god thank you for your life thank you for giving us life for taking us from death to life thank you that you took what we deserve gave us what we didn't deserve God you gave us peace with our heavenly father no matter how bad we screwed things up God you offer us that God I pray that people in here today wouldn't settle for religion but they would take their next step pursuing you in every thing God surrendering it all to you that we would not be people who you have to ask the question you call me Lord why don't you do what I say and move us to obedience by the power of your Holy Spirit. Do great and mighty things in us that you could do great and mighty things through us, not for us, but for your kingdom and your glory. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.